Another part of the governor's grandiose plan to not only restore the levees, protect the levees, repair the levees, but also water storage and other uh, projects involving water bill, the governor had proposed uh, recently that there would be a surcharge. Everybody's water bill in the state uh, would increase from 3 to $10 a month to pay for all of this inf- water infrastructure repair throughout California. Uh, ironically, um, the um, governor's proposal has been attacked from a variety of different fronts. Uh, let me give you an example here. Uh, the San Diego County Water Authority and the Metropolitan Water District, two prominent wholesalers of water, for domestic use, for household use, say that the governor's plan would be a giveaway to subsidized agriculture and a reversal of pricing policies designed to encourage conservation. In San Diego County, for example, 600,000 residential customers would be billed $3 a month or $1.8 million a month. Nearly 34,000 businesses would have to pay $5 a month. a spokesman for the Water Authority noted, for example, that in Oakland, all domestic household water users would pay a total of $4.9 million a year in fees for 46,000 acre feet of water. And an acre foot is enough water to cover a football field a foot deep. In contrast, a 20,000 acre mega farm out here on the west side of the San Joaquin Valley using 60,000 acre-feet of water would pay only $7,500. So there is a huge disparity and uh, whether or not the governor's proposed fee on users uh, will survive what's going on in Sacramento today, we don't know, we will see. Okay, I now want to turn to a New York Times uh, story from March 3rd. Uh, It's uh, unfortunate that the California media doesn't pay more attention to who is running uh, water policy at the Department of Interior because it's a very interesting story. And uh, let me read a little bit of it to you. For more than 10 years, Jason Peltier was a paid advocate for the irrigation-dependent farmers here in the Central Valley of California several hundred landowners who each year consume more water than the city of Los Angeles does. Now Mr. Peltier works for the Bush administration and he helps oversee the awarding of new water contracts for the same people he used to represent as head of the Central Valley Project Water Users Association. The federal contracts uh, could tie up a huge amount of Northern California water for, uh, for up to 50 years and have the potential to bring farmers a huge windfall profit if they turn around and sell that water on the open market. At the same time, Mr. Mr. Peltier, as Deputy Assistant Secretary for Water and Science at the Interior Department, is involved with reviewing a request by the Water Association to stop paying up to $11.5 million a year into the Environmental Restoration Fund, which was adopted in 1992. Peltier's role influencing decisions that could have a direct financial impact on his former employer, the Central Valley Project Water Users Association, 
is part of a pattern at the Interior Department over the last five years, which critics say is a revolving door between managers on the government side and the people who buy the cheap federal water on the other side. At Interior, at least six high political positions have been occupied by people associated with business or trade associations tied to public lands or public resources such as water and timber. One of those appointees, J. Stephen Griles, a deputy secretary, continued to receive 284 grand a year from his old lobbying firm while working for the government. Griles stepped down last year but denied that he had done anything wrong or violated ethics rules. Peltier says when he first came to the Bush administration in 2001, he recused himself from some decisions involving the Valley landowners he used to represent, but he said he was granted an exemption because of his expertise in California water issues. Says Peltier, I was given dispensation early on because of my knowledge of these issues. He adds, quote, I have not had the strict bar of separation on certain issues, but I've been very mindful of the appearance of conflict and operated accordingly. Interior officials say Peltier is the chief policy advisor on California water issues. His boss is Assistant Secretary for Water and Science Mark Limbaugh. Mark Limbaugh used to, uh, is another guy that came from the industry that's now being regulated. Limbaugh is an Idaho grower and was a director of the Family Water Alliance. Uh, and who was the president of the Family Water Alliance? The uh, Gene Saguspi, who is the president of the Westlands Water District Board of Directors. So these guys all know each other, and they operate together. Uh, Limbaugh says, uh, defends uh, Peltier and claims that he provides background, insight, and advice and he's not in a position to make ultimate decisions. But critics say this arrangement is appropriate, inappropriate, and they point to contract terms that could give farmers here in the Central Valley, including the ones Peltier used to represent, far more federally subsidized water under their contracts than they could ever use. And because the water will be provided at a fraction of the price that it would cost on the open market, The farmers could act as brokers to resell unneeded water at a huge markup, making making them some of the most powerful players in Western water politics well into the middle of the 21st century. Tom Stokely, who's a water policy and planning official with Trinity Counter, says of the Central Valley growers, they're basically locking up the last last available water in California for 50 years which they could sell at big profit made on the back of taxpayers. So to refresh uh, your memory out there, our listeners, uh, Trinity County, the Trinity River, provides most of the water for the Westlands Water District in western Fresno County. Um, I think if you like, you can go to the uh, website for the New York Times and get this article. It's fairly extensive. Uh, not only about uh, Peltier's role in water politics, but other interior officials. Uh, Now, in their defense, uh, the Westlands denies that they have any intention of selling any of the million acre feet of water that they are negotiating to get uh, annually for the next 50 years. 
um, because they say they need that water even though they're downsizing as much as 200,000 acres uh, because of high selenium and alkali problems in the Westlands. The uh, interior officials deny that they are showing any favoritism to Westlands and claim that they are have not noticeably departed from the same approach taken by the Clinton administration. But John Leshy, who was the Department of Interior Solicitor General under Clinton, disputes that, saying the Clinton administration tried to balance water deliveries between environmental needs and agriculture as required by the 1992 law. So that's a very interesting story. Now, speaking of Mr. Limbaugh, uh, the Assistant Interior Secretary, he was quoted in a Fresno Bee story earlier this week as saying he's cautiously optimistic about a potential deal to resolve uh, restoration on the San Joaquin River. And what they're doing now is they're claiming that it could cost several hundred million dollars to restore the river uh, and put it back into the condition that it was and that they're looking around for where they can get that money. One of the possibilities would be an uh, environmental fund established for uh, growers in the Sacramento and San Joaquin Valleys that get federal water. They call it the Central Valley Project. In 1992, they began to pay into a fund to restore the salmon fishery in the Delta. Uh, and one of the proposals being considered within Interior is to find a way to earmark that money which now goes to Delta Restoration for San Joaquin River Restoration, and the argument being, which is a a good one, that fresh water flowing into the Delta from a restored San Joaquin River can only help the Delta. So we will see what shall happen. There was another story in the B that I feel that I have to comment on, which is that in the 60 miles of dry San Joaquin Riverbed, basically from Kerman down to Mendota, and then uh, there's a stretch down in uh, northwest uh, Fresno County, down into Merced County, that's also dry, a total of 60 miles of dry riverbed. Uh, farmers that farm literally right up to the old riverbed say that they want they don't want the river channel itself to be restored they want the restorationists to use what they call the bypass channels and if you've driven out to Los Banos and crossed uh, these old uh, they were built decades ago they're just big huge ditches basically that run in a straight line uh, called the East Side Bypass, and they were constructed by uh, the Bureau of Reclamation and the Army Corps of Engineers to handle flood flows on the San Joaquin River. So now, ordinarily, the river, when they have a big winter, the water flows down those bypass channels instead of in the the original uh, riverbed. Uh, uh, environmentalists would say that the bypass channel is barren. Uh, it's uh, there's not any trees, and it's a straight line. It's the antithesis of what a restored river should look like. So uh, uh, the concern is that the uh, landowners down there may have to give up uh, some of their uh, farmland along the river, uh, and uh, it may end up in a court battle. Uh, and there was one statement made in that story 
that farmers are claiming that they own the land to the midpoint of the riverbed and of course California law says that the riverbed itself to the normal high water mark of the river is owned by the public and so uh, there's a dispute brewing there over that thing. Okay, we have another huge issue pending in California which is there may be a complete and total ban on salmon fishing in California this year because of the dwindling runs of uh, salmon on the Klamath River and there may be actually 700 miles of coastline along California and Oregon that will be banned uh, to fishing. The Pacific Fishery Management Council meets next week in Seattle to recommend how the federal government should tackle the problem caused by plummeting commercial salmon stocks in the troubled Klamath River. Biologists have warned for years that a combination of warm and low-flowing waters in the once mighty Klamath, at one time among the nation's most productive salmon-producing rivers, would cause the highly prized Chinook runs to plummet. Commercial fishermen blame the Bush administration for mismanaging the river in favor of farmers, dam operators, and timber companies at the expense of fish. Zeke Grader, executive director of the Pacific Coast Federation of Fishermen's Association, says the federal government has done absolutely nothing to help and fishermen are angry. It's almost like they created this Klamath situation to make them look competent on Katrina. Jason Peltier, there's Jason Peltier again popping up. He claims that the potential fishing curtailment is devastating news but defends the Bush administration's stewardship of the Klamath. Peltier says there's been a lot of mud thrown at us but that that sort of finger pointing uh, will not help matters and he's hopeful that the river's health problems can be healed. During an average year salmon fishing in California and Oregon is a 150 million dollar industry. Fishermen who normally fish for salmon six months of the year beginning in the spring say they expect at the very least to see their season shortened to just a few weeks because of the latest troubles on the Klamath. Now I should remind you that uh, one of the tributaries to the Klamath is the Trinity River and Trinity River water of course is now diverted several hundred miles through canals and down through the Sacramento River to the Westlands Water District in uh, the western San Joaquin Valley. So, uh, there you have it. Uh, You have a salmon fishing industry that is about uh, to go broke this year because they're going to shut off um, salmon fishing, commercial salmon fishing. Okay, now we're going to take a very short break. I've gone a little over the halfway point. You're listening to KFCF. 88.1 FM. We'll be back in a minute. Oh, I'm sorry, Vic. That's okay. We'll postpone that for a minute. Let's get to another story. Here's, uh, we actually only got a few minutes left anyway. Three environmental groups are cranking up pressure on the state and federal fishes to save the threatened Delta smelt after watching its population plunge over the past year. This week, these three groups petitioned the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to upgrade the tiny delta smelt to endangered status. 
Another group is warning the State Department of Water Resources that it's going to be sued unless it complies with the State Endangered Species Action. State officials revealed at a legislative hearing last summer that they don't actually have explicit authority as part of their Delta water export operations to kill the Delta smelt or any other protected fish under state laws. Instead, they claim that they uh, can kill these fish, uh, and, and the way that the fish dies, they get sucked up in those big pumps at Tracy that pump the water down the state aqueduct and the Delta Mendota Canal, uh, that they have a patchwork of laws that allow them to kill those fish. Bill Jennings, who's the executive director of the California um, Sports Fishing Protection Alliance, claims that these agencies charged with protecting these fish have simply ignored any state law that they disagree with. So uh, we've got someone knocking at the door, but we're going to keep going. Okay, now... Uh, let's return to our subject here. In addition to the delta smelt, three other delta fish are suffering rapid declines. The striped bass, the thread-fin shad, and the long-fin smelt. Scientists have been at a loss to explain these declines. In December, after six months of research, scientists narrowed the list of culprits to two broad factors hostile water quality in Sassoon Bay, a vital breeding ground for many fish, and the influence of water management in the Delta. And what they mean by that basically is massive pumping in the South Delta, as I mentioned earlier, by the pumps at Tracy. Not only do they grind up uh, lots of fish, uh, small fish, but also um, the massive loss of water uh, uh, causes the decline in the, in the quality of water in the Delta. An annual fall survey of the smelt population done regularly since 1967 shows that the fish population plunged to historic lows last year. Tina Swanson, a senior scientist at the Bay Institute, says there's growing evidence that the Delta smelt is in imminent risk of extinction. And the reason that the Delta smelt is so important is it's the base of the fish food chain in the Delta. If you take away the base of the food chain, the whole fishery could collapse. A spokesman for the Fish and Wildlife Service claims that the petition from the groups to list the Delta smelt as an endangered species will get full consideration. Last week, Fish and Wildlife announced it was already re-evaluating the smelts listing status as part of a recovery plan for the smelt. So things continue to get worse. Uh, and once again, in our last few minutes, let's return to the issue of the um, uh, bond negotiations occurring in Sacramento today. Uh, it may be a 30 to $35 billion infrastructure bond on the June ballot that you, the voters, will be asked to vote for. Uh, if uh, Republican legislators get their way, there may be a billion or more dollars in there for uh, construction of more surface water storage in California. There may be up to $100 million on there for San Joaquin River restoration. 
and um, there may be uh, hundreds of millions of dollars for um, uh, urban restoration infrastructure. Many of our cities now are well over 100 years old, and some of their uh, water delivery systems, their pipelines, etc., are uh, suffering. I want to close with a uh, reference to a Los Angeles Times article of yesterday. It's actually uh, an opinion piece, and it says, If the state doesn't shore up the levees, we could all be drinking salt water. Uh, And what the columnist points out is that um, uh, this columnist lives in the so-called pocket area south of downtown San Francisco. And he lives in the shadow of a, of a leaky levee. He says, if the levee where I broke where I live, my driveway would be under three feet of water within five hours. In a week, his neighborhood would be a 17-foot deep lake. As it is now, as I mentioned earlier, 300,000 Sacramento residents live in the path of any flood. Sacramento has the worst flood safeguards of any major city in America. The levees are rated at less than 100-year protection. By, by comparison, New Orleans had a 250-year protection level before Katrina hit, killing at least 1,300 people. Now, the salt water has to do with the fact that the Delta is the supplier of drinking water for 24 million people. And if there is massive flooding, there would be an influx of seawater into the Delta and... Um, it could disrupt um, drinking water deliveries to Southern California and the Bay Area for as long as 15 months. So those are the things that we will find out early next week uh, that may be on the June ballot, and, and you, the voters out there, will decide whether or not we need to spend this kind of money to prevent a Katrina-like disaster in the Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta. This is Lloyd Carter. KFCF 88.1 FM. You've been listening to Down in the Valley. I'll be back next month on the second Friday at 3 p.m. Thanks for listening.